Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, we talk about our next connecting practice, which is being present. Uh, We wanted to bring in uh, one of our favorite people on the ETC team to talk about this, and that is um, ETC Trainer. And uh, counselor Antila Love. And so uh, Antila came on to talk with us about uh, how sometimes incredibly challenging it is to be present uh, both physically and emotionally. And then we also have Becky McKay uh, with us, who obviously had a huge part in writing the new Cultivate Connection curriculum, but uh, talks to us about uh, both those things as well as how to be attuned, what being attuned means, um, and why it's so important in this principle of being present with our kids. Well, today we've got Antila Love and Becca McKay with us, and we're going to talk about one of uh, maybe the most difficult connecting practices to actually put into practice, um, and that is being present. And if you hear that and you don't think it's very difficult, then one, I would say don't rub it into the rest of us, but then two, I would say um, we might be missing part of this component if it's just naturally very easy for us to stay to stay uh, present all the time. Um, so I, I think maybe Becca and Antilo, the best first place to start is Becca, why don't, why don't you, if you will, just sort of define um, being present as we're thinking about it today. And, um, and if you want to like kind of let us know where this sits within the scope of our um, Cultivate Connection curriculum. Yeah, absolutely. So being present is kind of like the essence of the kind of parents that we hope people will become. <laughs> um, it's it's when we can be physically and emotionally present that we can then attune to our kids. And we do that by slowing down, paying attention to our needs and our kids' needs, and then responding with compassion, empathy, and support. Um, and so I think when people hear be present, uh, different things come to mind for different people. Some people might think, well, yeah, I'm with my kids. I'm with them every night before bed. We have our routine or right. I'm with them all the time. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm never right. without my children. I haven't gone to the bathroom without a child in years. <laughs> right. Like, right. So I think that there's that might come to mind. But what we mean when we say be present is really a quality of presence. Mm-hmm. So it includes being physically present being emotionally present, and then being attuned. And we can kind of get into what that looks like a little later on. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> we'll definitely need to define that because I would say before before going through um, ETC content back in the day, I, I heard attuned and I, I, I couldn't have even spelled it. I didn't even know what we were talking <laughs> about with that, um, which probably explains some of the issues we we're having in our home too. So, um, and Tila, it, when, when, when you think about, we were talking beforehand about uh, you know, this is sort of a daunting one to talk about. Um, when we think about being physically present, like what is what does that look like for you? And then, and then, what might be some of the challenges we might face being physically present? Um. Wow. Okay. Um. So the the physically present part of it is super tough. Um. Just in general, because I feel like I there's always something going on, kind of like what Becca was saying. It's like, I'm in school. We have this. We got to go to this. We got to do this, you know? So it's hard to just sit still and let my mind just be in the moment. Um, And so a lot of our presence happens at like dinner time because we always eat dinner together as a family. So that's kind of where we start. Um, And then we'll find moments throughout the day to play 
Um, obviously with it being summer, we have a lot more face-to-face time. Um, pray for us. Um, but anyways, (laughs) um, so just moments of like, can you come play with me or can you do this? And just actually sitting, our youngest now will be like, no phones, no computers. Like he'll say that mm. when he asks us to play. So I'm like, Ooh, okay. That cut a little bit. Cause I'm like, for him to notice, you know, that we're for distracted. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Um, Becca, when, when you think about that, I mean, being physically present, I think probably with all of these some of us are going to naturally gravitate toward one or the other, and it might be easier to be physically present for some of us and then be emotionally present for others of us. Um, what are some of the challenges you see in being physically present? And then what are some ways that we can just kind of check ourselves or, or, or put some practices in place to make sure we're doing that? Mm-hmm. I think when you think about being physically present, um, a quote that comes to mind, and I have no idea who said it, but a quote that comes to mind is that if your attention is elsewhere, your presence is missing. Mm-hmm. So being physically present isn't just being in the same room, but it's being present, like being with your kid who's in front of you. And so the challenges to that, man, it's like the time that it takes to be individually connecting with one or more kids at the same time. There's also like real life. Like we all have real life burdens and distractions and jobs. Um, And so I think sometimes that's a barrier to being physically present. Sometimes it's, you know, maybe you have multiple children and maybe one of your kids is taking more of your presence because they need you more. And so some of your other kids might be missing out on that. I think about, um, you know, in my context at a school, I had to be physically present with whoever was the most dysregulated. And what that meant is that the medium dysregulated kids didn't have my presence. Yeah. And so you have to prioritize as an adult who's, you know, in relationship with kids, you've got to kind of prioritize. So some of the barriers are just like all of those compounding factors, like yeah. the time yeah. that it takes, the fact that there's only one of you. <laughs> and also sometimes it's hard to be physically present because if you're a little bit introverted, you need alone time to recharge. Yeah. And so if you don't get that, then you you might be physically present in the same room, but that quality of presence might yeah. not be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're on edge because you're just at the end of your rope, your presence may not be helping. <laughs> and so it's like, sometimes that can be a barrier, but I think when, when I'm thinking about how to do it, it's just about paying attention to what you're paying attention to first. Mm. So like when I did work at a school, I mean, JD, you worked at a school and Tila works at a school now. It's like when you work in any office atmosphere, there are always at least seven things that need your attention at the same time. So you're on the phone with a parent while a kid is asking for clean clothes, while another kid is trying to tell you that someone stepped on their shoe, while a teacher is asking, where are those copies that I asked you to make earlier, while the principal is peeking in because your office is too noisy and it needs to quiet down. Like all of that's (laughs) happening at the same time. And so I think that something that you have to get really good at to really be present is hyper-focusing on one thing at a time. Mm. And so sometimes that can seem like you're ignoring one thing to attend to another. But I think the reality is like, you know, if a kiddo is having a really tough time, I'm going to pause the email I'm trying to write and I'm going to look at that kid's eyes and I'm going to be physically present right there down on their level for that moment knowing that once they're regulated, I'm going to have to turn all my attention, put my headphones in so nobody talks to me to finish yeah. this email that I have to send. Yeah. But it's that switching from one thing to another. I think that's one thing I've, that I found to be helpful. I mean, there's no yeah. perfect way to do it, but that's something that helped me. Well, and I would say to add to that, like uh, this might be the hardest 
the hardest one. Well, being emotionally present is probably the hardest one for me. Being physically present was something that I thought I was really good at because I'm checking the boxes of like, man, we're, I'm home for dinner almost every night. Like we're, you know, we are together on weekends. I'm at practices, I'm at games, I'm at recitals, I'm at whatever. And, um, it, and then you kind of flip and remember that like that, that doesn't equal good quality of presence. And one of the things that was very helpful for me was thinking about um, in TBRI practitioner training, just we talked about body language and like mm-hmm. you mentioned eye contact, but like is if your eye contact is not kind of in with the kids, like it doesn't mean you're staring into their eyes the entire time, but like if you're not looking at them while you're talking, you're not looking at what is going on around you while you're doing that. Um, and if your body is like turned another direction, if you're, um, if you're not kind of squared up to the situation. Um, and then one of the things that Dr. Purvis talked about uh, in some of the old um, videos of, of the camp they would put on, um, she talked about just making sure that you are at the child's eye level. So a lot of times if I'm going to play with our five-year-old, like, I might go ahead and just like lay down on the floor um, as we're playing because then we're at a similar um, eye level and there's not that weird disparity of like me towering over her as we play. Not that that creates fear in her, but it just communicates that I'm with you if we're right there together in the same spot. So that might help if you're, if you're trying to think about, I mean, I'm, I'm here all the time. I'm, I'm there. Like that's not that big of a deal. It does. I mean, the computer and phone thing being put away is huge. The, um, the idea that you are communicating not just with your, like it being in the same room, but communicating with your body language that you are with that kid too is huge. And then that leads us to next being emotionally present, which I need to tap out of and let somebody else explain because I struggle (laughs) mightily with that sometimes. Um, Antila, do you have any thoughts on this front? Like, was this something that was, that does come more naturally to you or is this one of the harder ones for you to, to jump in with your kids? Um, this is definitely a harder one. And I was agreeing with you when you were talking about like that instrumental presence. I'm like, I am so good at that. Like I will come to the recitals. I will drop you off at practice. I will do this, that, and the other. But if you come to me with like an emotional problem, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm just like, sometimes it's hard for me to just go there. Um, So the emotionally present, I've had to work really hard. One, just recognizing my emotions because I stuff and I'm like, I am fine. Everything's great. You know, (laughs) Um, whereas it's not. But I've had to like work, do a lot of work within me to realize that emotions are okay. Um, Even though they feel unsafe. There are gift, there's a gift to your emotions. And so I'm trying to, you know, you do the whole scaffolding thing um, where I'm, you know, modeling what it looks like to have healthy emotions. And that way my kids feel safe enough to come to me when things are happening um, and not just try to figure it out on their own. Yeah. I love that you, how you just said that because like we say every we say it almost every week but it always starts with us. And so like when we can really be okay with emotions for ourselves, then we can be emotionally present with kids and I think something that tends to happen is we have like a pendulum and it goes back to our attachment styles just because what doesn't <laughs> um but what it goes back to our attachment styles because if if you're tending to be a little more dismissive then probably your response to your kids emotions is like you're okay you're fine stop 
quit crying. It's okay. You're okay. It's fine. But if you're, you know, the opposite of that can also be the preoccupied or entangled approach, which is like, oh my gosh, baby, are you okay? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so scared. That scared me so bad. And it did scare you. And we're like getting all wrapped up in the kids' emotions with them. And I think we've talked about this before, but being emotionally present doesn't mean you're okay or we're both not okay. Being emotionally present is meeting them in the middle. And like, I see that you're upset and I'm with you. Um, and I know that's easier said than done. And it sounds a little bit like mental gymnastics, but it really is finding that middle ground of offering emotional presence means I'm okay with your uncomfortable emotions and I'm with you and I'm not going anywhere. And I, I'm okay with my own uncomfortable emotions. Like I can process those. I can share those with safe people. I can get support when I need it. Um, And so it's not stuffing, but it's also not the like jumping on the roller coaster and getting all entangled up into it, which a lot, like, which is something I can tend to do personally. I'm not the dismissive, but I am the, like, I'm jumping into this with you and I'm feeling my big feelings. And that's not being emotionally present. Sometimes I think we think that it is Mm -hmm. because we're like saying our emotions. But when you think about being emotionally present with kids, it is supporting them, right? With their emotions and being that safe person for them in that moment. Which is why it's hard for me. I mean, it's, gosh, Prior to, I mean, having, having now gone through some counseling and, um, and learned some cycles and some healthy um, communication patterns like in our family and with my wife and, um, and, and close friends and all of that, now that I've experienced what that is like, like I, I long to give that to my kids, right? So like it, it, has, it has made it, uh, again, not a natural thing for me to do, but I do now have a roadmap for kind of how to do that. And so uh, one scary thing I would encourage all of us to do is if you, if you notice yourself really struggling to engage emotionally or really being quick to either jump in and turn the situation to be about you or jump in to immediately try to assure them it's fine so that the problem goes away, there might be some questions you want to ask other folks in your life, your, your, your close people, like your parenting partner, your, um, you know, close family, friends who know you really well to say, like, do I, do I seem emotionally present? Um, because it, it might be worth beginning to explore down that road um, and figure out what might be keeping you from um, offering yourself that way. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, uh, one of the principles that I notice that I'll say my wife does really well and that um, actually both of y'all do really well in situations where I've seen you, you know, limited situations, but I've seen y'all both do this is not flinching when, when uh, hard or un- unexpected things come up, right? Like um, I, mean, I remember being in uh, the office at the school that Beck and I worked at. I'm just laughing. It's not funny. It was stuff that was not funny. It was actually pretty traumatic, like hard things would be happening. And Becca just straight face would walk right into a situation and be like, okay, hey, we're going to figure this out. Come on, let's go talk or do this, whatever. And into the same deal. We've, we've been places uh, at church together or other places where we've seen like, you know, kids come up and say something unexpected and, and, you know, just game face until it was like, yeah, okay, great. Let's, let's talk about that. And I think that is really important for a couple of reasons. One, when we can do that in public, it is implicitly giving our kids the reassurance that they're not too much for us. You know, um, we, I think on this show, we, we talk about <laughs> Target and the grocery store incessantly because those seem to be the places where um, our kids just just love to test how connected we are to each other. And so um, I can think about with our first, I mean, we've got four kids, and with our first, I was terrible about in the moment 
probably looking around to see who was watching us more than I was actually looking at our kid when, when a meltdown would happen. And now I kind of, I kind of think like, if you want to spaz out, like I'm actually excited that you're going to see me not freak out now. And I'm just not even going to, I'm going to be completely oblivious to whoever's around us. I'm going to be with this kid on their eye level, but it's taken a very long time to get there. And I think it was understanding that I was communicating to our kids that they were way too much for me and that I couldn't handle them. So I was becoming not a safe place to be around when those explosions would happen because maybe I'm going to embarrass dad or maybe whatever. And I don't know if they would verbalize that, but that was the message that was beginning to be sent. And so, um, you know, with my wife, I'll say one thing that she's awesome at is that, that you know, she is locked in on what is going to happen um, regardless of what environment she's in. So somebody starts to spaz out at home or in Target or in Costco or whatever, and it's going going to be the same response. Um, and it might be different based on the situation of like, if we are in line and in checkout, whatever. But um, that has helped me a lot to remember to stay present emotionally means I'm also like, when you bring those big emotions to me, we're going to then be in it together. And I'm going to help you walk you back into a space of regulation out of that. Um, now let's talk about being attuned. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) So I love, uh, Jesse might have said it on the podcast a couple weeks ago, but think about a radio dial, the old school radios, you're turning past all the static Mm -hmm. and you're getting into your kid's frequency. So you're tuning in to them and like who they are as a person, everything you know about them, their personality, how they respond to stress. And then you're tuning in and you're doing that in order to see what do they need and how can I meet that need? Now I will say I skipped a step, which is really important. The first step is that you have to slow down and you have to remove distractions from your mind. You just described it, JD, like in the grocery store with everything going on around you. First, you've got to slow down and be like, okay, I'm really embarrassed about this, but I'm going to like choose in this moment, it's going to be a millisecond, but I'm going to choose to focus on my kid tune in, try to assess what they need. And then if possible, meet that need, give them support, be there for them. And so I think, you know, attunement is, it's almost this like nonverbal, it's like intuitive, like you're feeling in the moment, you're in, you're intuitively discerning what's going on and what do you, you know, what, what do I need to do in this situation? And it kind of puts together being physically and emotionally present all into one. It's kind of like, it's the third component because you can't have it if you're not physically or emotionally present. Um, and I think is not one size fits all. Like this is the part where, you know, anything that we ever say that we ever say on the podcast, you like want to give a caveat because it's like what helps one kid doesn't help the other. I don't know if you found that to be true. You know, JD, you've got four kids and Tilly, you've got three, like, even in your own home, different kids need different things at different times. Um, so tuning in doesn't mean, okay, I'm always going to give them a juice box and a cheese stick. That might <laughs> right. work for kid A, but that doesn't right. mean that that's what kid B needs, you know? Yeah. Yes, 100%. Um, and even if something works for that kid, it might just be for that day, Gosh, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Juice box and the cheese it doesn't work the next day because they want pretzels and an orange, you know? Um, so just really, and I think one of, I don't know if y'all talked about it yet, but just like being curious and like, yeah. seeing the environment, like you were saying at the store, our kids love going to the Dollar Tree. And so thankfully our bigs are like, okay, if we don't get stuff, we're fine. Right. But that little, like we have to do a lot of prep. And before, like 
I'd be like, we're not coming back if you're going to throw a fit in the store. Okay. But there's a lot of like disappointment in that because it's like, oh, I really wanted this fire truck, but mom said I could only get two things and that would be three. But then I'm like sticking to my gun. Like, no, I said two. So that's what we're going to do. You can choose. So we've had to do a lot of like, you know, practice. And if I just completely, you know, shut it out and be like, well, we're not going anymore. How would he learn how to navigate those emotions and That's sit right. in that disappointment you know what I mean and like yeah now he knows we'll just go again you know it's not like a big deal um when we don't get five things instead of two mm-hmm. um so just like really kind of assessing the environment and then um one big thing that I've tried to do in terms of like meeting needs is if we're about to leave, I'm like, y'all just go get a road snack. You know, it's like, just pick up something, grab your water bottle. Um, because I just try to eliminate as much as I can, um, and just control what I can control because you just never know what will happen. So, um, why do you think being present, you know, you mentioned it was like really hard for you. Why do you think that? Why do you think that it's hard for you? I can think of why it's hard for me, but I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I would say a little bit of a dismissive past um, is hard and just not wanting to go to hard places. And so the, the fear of the unexpected, I'm like, okay, I'm here, but I don't know what is about to happen. Like, mm-hmm. are they going to start arguing because somebody grabbed the blue crayon and there are 12 of them, but you wanted that specific crayon, you know, yeah. or if it's like somebody's going to start crying or tell me something like you were saying, JD, that's like off the wall, um, where I have to like keep my face together. <laughs> um, so it's just fear of emotions also, um, still working through that and being okay with like a slam door, which before I'd be like, you lost your mind, you know, yeah. just right. like grit and teeth. You don't slam my door. You don't pay bills. You don't, you know, and just kind of getting, <laughs> yeah. this, getting in the ring with them. Whereas I need to like step back and be more of like the coach, like, Hey, mm-hmm. you are having these emotions. Let's walk through it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I fear of emotions, and then just not really knowing how to do that very well. <laughs> well, I think the thing that you mentioned that does kind of give hope to all of us, like the simple idea of getting getting a road snack, like is is because over time you've just kind of seen and learned. Like it, we've all been in the car when we should have grabbed a road snack, and it doesn't go well. So, like that, you you begin kind of building these mental checklists, like as you're about to go, like, do we have lovey? Do we have a water bottle? Do we have whatever? And it's not that like, you know, I've had people without kids who have like, you know, taunted me for that. Like, Oh, look, dad mode is carrying 90 things to the car. And it's like, I mean, the deal is like, if you're caring for your kids needs and you want them to have what they need to thrive, like some of that is just paying attention to these little things. There are some like families that are very careful about not bringing snacks with them certain places because they just get eaten all the time or whatever. So I think all, all we're saying is that like over time being students of our kids, like paying attention to what they need, when they thrive, why they thrive, like can we pick out those factors that are helping them predictably consistently do well? And then how can we replicate those environments, you know? And so that that all has been kind of tuned into what they need. And, um, you know, I'll tell you one, one funny story and then we can get out of here, but just the... Um, our, we've got our our youngest just 
is a direct, we talked about the play styles last week and God bless our, she is a director at heart. I mean, she wants to, she, she wants to constantly be like handing out each toy to each person. Like, okay, you're going to be this and you're going to be this and you're going to be this. And Hey, here's what I cooked for you in my play kitchen. And here's the, and like at nighttime, it's like, here's the books you're reading and here's the books I'm reading. Well, we get in the car and I, in my, you know, side time in a previous life was a DJ. And so like music has always been a huge fun thing in our house. And we always will be blasting music, you know, having dance parties sometimes in the house or in the car or whatever. So they're used to like us sharing what music we like and, and playing together in the car. So one thing I did not realize, like our, the van we've had for a while, it has headphones for the kids in the back seat. And so what we were realizing is that we were teaching, teaching her, Hey, when you get in the car, um, if you feel like you need some music and to tune out, we're, we're just going to have your back and like, we'll turn on something for you. And that way the rest of us can keep the music quiet and you can have that music in your ears if you need it. So that's just our regular MO in the car. Like, and, and not everybody wants to listen to the same thing at the same time. And five-year-olds have a tendency to want to listen to a set of like three songs, a hundred thousand <laughs> times a day. And so uh, we don't always want to do that. Right. But that gave us that proximity. Well, we got rear-ended recently. So we're in a rental car does not have headphones in the back. Now, I'm not sharing this because like, oh yeah, we're dealing without a separate entertainment system. It's not that. But we realized, man, one of these, one of these ways in which we were able to really predictably get her needs met was giving her time to have music on where she's not hearing all the other distractions in the car over and over again and the loud outbursts of laughter from the other kids, which tends to throw her off a lot. And so it was like, oh, wow, we're realizing that. And so we're having to adjust that now and make make separate little plans to, to figure out how to give her that space because on long road trips, y'all, like we can't do nine hours of everyone just adjusting all the time to everyone else's needs. Like we got to have ways to, to help meet each other's needs. And so there's one of those things that we've noticed like – you know, it started out just, you know, not that big of a deal. And we didn't realize how dialed in that one particular thing was for her. And so um, it's helped us. So you'll notice things like that. And I think it's good to just kind of keep tabs of those things. And, and over time, you know, before they change seasons and those things change, you know, it's good to have those things dialed in. Um, any final thoughts from y'all about um, kind of being present and uh, anything in this discussion we've had today before we get out of here today? I just always love hearing, you know, like what makes it easier, hard for you, JD, for you and Tila, like hearing from other people. Cause I just think that like, we're all human <laughs> and this is hard for all of us in different ways. And so I just always enjoy hearing from you guys. And I think if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I would love to be present with my kids, but fill in the blank. I am a single mom with three jobs. I am a dad who works on the road. I drive trucks. Like if you are somebody yeah. who's in a context where you're like, that sounds great, but I can't do it. I would just say to you, quality is way more important than quantity. Yeah. So think about those moments that you do have and and go back to that play personality episode and listen to it and find ways to, you mentioned it right off the bat, Antila, when we talked about presence, find ways to play with them that they enjoy. Find ways to relate with them that they enjoy, see them, and just learn how to tune into them during those calm moments so that whenever there's challenging moments, you can fall back on that relationship. So that would just be my encouragement yeah. is that, man, Quality is way more important than quantity when it comes to presence. And Tila, any last thoughts? Um, yes, I have a few. Um, sometimes I listen to the podcast and I think about people who haven't been doing this for a while. 
Um, and so it sounds easy when we're talking about it, like, oh, yeah, yeah we'll just recognize, like, my child needs a snack before the car. Or we know that in loud groups, they need headphones. Or we know, like, all these things, but it, it takes time. Yeah. Um, and so I would, like, jot down on a little piece of that. I'm like, where's my receipt? Give me a pen. <laughs> like, in this situation, you know, X, Y, and Z. So, like, get a journal or whatever just to kind of start taking note of, behaviors that you see what's going on beforehand what's going on during that sort of thing will help and just really kind of take it one step at a time like if you're like okay I need to be more present when we play maybe start a five minute timer you know and work on that for like the week and then the next week bump it up to 10 or whatever you know just like little bite-sized pieces um, that you feel like as a parent or caregiver or educator or whatever that you need to work on, just start small mm-hmm. because this work is very overwhelming. <laughs> um, and there's so many pieces, so many moving pieces. Right. Every minute is not the same. Every day is not the same. Right. No child is the same. So, you know, um, I would just encourage people out there listening just to take it slow for sure. That's good. Yeah. And give yourself lots of grace along the way. Like, we're all we're all doing the best we can, and that's that's the best we can do, right? Um, well, guys, thank you all for for jumping in today and for just being a part of the discussion. And um, thank you at home for listening. Well, a big thank you to Antila, thank you to Becca, and uh, and to all of you for tuning in today. Um, you know, we, we talked in the open about um, all that we're talking about through our Celebrating Hope campaign. Um, one thing I would ask of you, if you're listening to this and if this content is helpful for you, if you would share this podcast with somebody that you know um, who may benefit from the information, that would be incredibly helpful for us. Um, in the podcast world, we're always hoping to be um, more visible to folks who may want or need the content that we're delivering. And so the way that that happens is when our podcast is shared, um, when it's commented on, when it's liked, when it's subscribed to, um, when it's rated and reviewed on Apple Podcasts, especially there's a huge bump for us in terms of getting to the places where we can be more visible um, to the rest of the world. And so um, we are uh, incredibly happy and humbled to say that we, we've charted now um, and cracked into the top 100 of um, podcasts in, I think, six different countries, which is um, kind of mind-blowing, to be honest, and uh, and hopefully more in the future. So uh, definitely, if you have not rated or reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, I'll be hugely helpful. Um, and if you would just share this with somebody that you know who may, uh, may need the content, that would be super helpful. All right, that's all we've got for today. Um, Oh, lastly, I will say uh, that if you are interested in being a a Cultivate Connection facilitator um, to help us facilitate our new Cultivate Connection course. Um, you get early access to the curriculum as well as um, then applying to be a part of our training program, which is which is happening here in Memphis in the fall. Um, please do head to empoweredtoconnect.org and find the facilitator application. Um, Those will close very soon. We still have, I think, a handful of openings left. So if that's you, if you're wanting to be a part of that, or if that's somebody you know that needs to be a part of that, please, please, please send them to empoweredtoconnect.org. Before that registration closes, we'd love to get anybody in who is uh, wanting to be a part of it um, in this first wave of trainers. And so uh, again, empoweredtoconnect.org and look for the Cultivate 
Connection Facilitator Training. Um, and we will hopefully see you very soon. So for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the ETC podcast, and everybody at Empowered to Connect, we will see you next week on the ETC podcast. Thank you.